Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about the practices that we do, the profession in general, and the ways that we show up as therapists, the ways that we brand ourselves, and we are diving into a topic that we actually haven't really directly talked about before, and that's around faith-based counseling and faith-based practices, and we are joined by Whitney Owens, LPC, faith-based practice consultants, you've got a faith-based practice podcast and all kinds of wonderful things, and this is actually where we've partnered up this week. We are also on her podcast this week as well. <laughs> so get the whole picture, listen to both. And in the meantime, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my honor. Thank you so much. We're so glad to have you here. It's always fun to have friends of the show. I'm so excited. I'm actually going to be speaking at your conference in October. We'll talk about that later. But the first question we ask all of our guests who are you and what are you putting out to the world? Yes. So I am Whitney Owens. I'm down here in Savannah, Georgia, if you enjoy my Southern accent there. <laughs> and yes, I run a group practice. It has a faith-based background. And what am I putting out in the world? I absolutely love helping faith-based practice owners figure out how to start, grow, and scale their private practice in a way that's ethical and adheres to their values as a Christian practice owner. One of the questions that has evolved in our podcast over time is what do therapists usually get wrong when thinking about starting a faith-based practice? Now, we ask this not to shame anybody, but if there's mistakes that have been made by other people, how can we help other people prevent making those same mistakes? Yes. So I think the very first thing is when you are figuring out your branding, your name, what your practice is about, the ways that you do therapy, right? And so what does it mean to have a faith-based practice? People all the time are asking me that question, and it can mean so many different things to so many different people. But I think what's most important is that it's about the clinical work that you're doing, and then you integrate faith upon request of a client, not because you think that you're supposed to. And so one of the big problems I see is therapists who are making their practice all about faith, and they've like lost the clinical part of what they do. Like they don't need to be calling themselves a faith-based counselor. Like there's a lot of other things they could be calling themselves like pastoral or coach, like a Christian coach or something like that. Um, so I think if you're going to call yourself a counselor or, you know, a clinical therapist, like you need to be abiding by those clinical issues and then integrating faith on client request. Many folks that are not in this world, in the faith-based practice world, have the assumption that all 
especially Christian counselors, are doing what you just talked about. They're kind of indoctrinating their clients with the Christian faith or... or There's something hidden in the informed consent that converts (laughs) them over to Christianity or something like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so there's there's this element of, wait, that's not what it is? (laughs) It's not just talking about Bible passages and teaching people about the Christian faith. That's not what faith-based counseling is. And I've heard you say, use faith as a resource or what you just said, which is use it by request of the client when it's appropriate. What does that mean? Oh, goodness. Okay. So the first thing I want to comment on is, Katie, sadly enough, there are some people out there doing the first part, right? They are having a hidden agenda in what they do with clients. Like that's, unfortunately, that's out there. But what I love about the the work I get to do is I want to change the way we think of faith-based practices, right? That it is about putting that client first It's about integrating faith at the level of appropriateness, right? Because some clients, they might come in and say, yeah, I'm a Christian and I want to talk about God, but I don't really do a lot in my daily life about that. And I'm not really wanting to do a lot about it, you know? And so then a therapist might start shooting things at them. You know, you need to read your Bible more. You need to do these practices. And it's like, well, that's not what the client's wanting. So that's not what we need to be doing. But I think the best way that we can see this is clients coming in, you appropriately assess if they have a faith background, whatever faith that is, that we educate ourselves on that faith background and integrate it appropriately. And when I talk about faith as a resource, there are so many things about faith, regardless if you are a Christian counselor or not, that you can really use like prayer, meditation, forgiveness, kindness. I mean, all these values that as therapists, we need to be utilizing those. So even if you're not a faith-based counselor and you've got clients coming in that have a faith-based background and they're wanting that, you can totally use those skills and let them use those to help them, like help with depression, help with anxiety, being in church and community that helps them, you know, have, have friends. Like this is good for them. And I see this in, you know, the EMDR work is where I see this come up a lot. I'm I'm not a faith-based counselor by any stretch of the imagination. But when we talk about clients and having resources, like what is it that helps you return to kind of your optimal zone of operating throughout the week? And people bring in their, I pray, I have my faith, I have these kinds of things. That's what I'm hearing out of this is it's just kind of like, all right, cool. You've got some things that work for you you're volunteering this how does that play into your week that this ends up being kind of what i'm hearing as yeah this this is what faith-based counseling is meant to be whether you intend to do it or not yeah and even if you're not a faith-based practice and if you're not incorporating those when clients are saying they're faith-based you're missing a whole bunch of tools that you could be using to help them I don't have my numbers like right in front of me, but I am pretty positive. The last time I looked, it was like over 50% of people in our nation would say that they pray on a somewhat regular basis. Like we should be using that for clients edification and coming into therapy because prayer is going to bring them comfort. It's going to bring them wisdom. It's going to release their stress. All good things. Beyond using the faith and faith practices as a tool it also seems like there's a cultural element that we're missing if we don't if we don't understand the client and where they're coming from and what what their belief systems are what their rituals are how they are in community to me it feels like it's it's a big miss if we're not looking at those things at all 
Yeah, I totally agree. And it's going to be different based on where you practice too. I mean, in the South, going to church is like the number one question you ask people. It's like, where'd you go to high school? Where do you go to church? You know, it's like a, it's a community thing. In other areas, it's not so much, but I think thinking about where you choose to practice is important and thinking about how you're integrating faith um, and faith practices. Out here in Los Angeles, the handful of people that I've run into who have faith-based practices, I will admit, were not in the most friendly of ways. And that's when we were sitting on the camp's board of directors. And uh, yes, sitting on a board of directors, we get people with very big feelings about things who come and talk to us. But I am wondering just kind of... That's not representative of everybody in in the faith-based space. So, And a lot of the practices around me are pretty secular. So can you walk me through maybe just kind of how people decide to choose this as their practice and, you know, kind of how they might end up putting themselves out there as opposed to kind of the more, you know, just straight to therapy kinds of practices that Katie and I tend to talk about a lot more? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm sorry that you were treated poorly and people had big things to say. That's terrible. <laughs> we, can, um, we can go into that. We, part we can a separate. Bit yeah, those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just hate like that someone calling themselves a Christian and don't represent it well, right? And then people get this idea of what it is, and then we've missed out on so much. So anyway, but I think most people go into it really because they think of it as a calling. You know, they grew up in a Christian setting. Faith's an important part of their life, and I can attest that this is me. You know, and and God was always a part of my life and grew up in church as a big support. And so I couldn't see myself doing therapy without that component. Like it's a part of who I am. What has been amazing, and hopefully this will help speak to this, is my own personal growth, my own spiritual growth has allowed me to change the way that I view faith, the way I view counseling. When I was in graduate school, um, somebody in our class said this, and it really spoke to me. He said, Jesus was not there pushing his faith on people. He was inviting people into relationship and people either chose it or they didn't. And I'm embarrassed to say before he said this, I was thinking I'm going to be a therapist and I'm going to change them one person at a time to come to know God, right? Mm. What an arrogant way to think. <laughs> oh my gosh. But but in my mind, I was like, I'm being so good. I'm saving the world by being a therapist. And he said this to me, and I was like, wow, like this is not about me. This mm. is this is about loving other people right where they are. And if they choose to follow God, great. And if they choose not to follow God, I'm gonna love and accept them anyway and help them meet their goals, you know, and have a better life. So that kind of like really speaks to how I chose my path and kind of how God continues to evolve me through this work that I do with clients. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. 
Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. It's interesting because I think there's, you know, kind of the misconceptions we talked about with all Christian therapists are trying to to convert clients one at a time to Christianity, but but there have been I think these unethical, illegal practices that some especially Christian therapists have put themselves in, into place with with conversion therapy, therapies that are are pretty harmful to folks if, you know, if they're practicing in this way. And and it is that idea. It's 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 conversion around LGBTQ plus versus mm-hmm. conversion around Christianity. But but what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I know that you're a leader in this space. I'd really love kind of what your thoughts are on these types of Christian therapy practices. Yeah. Well, I'm also a rule follower and I love ethics. <laughs> I know y'all appreciate that. <laughs> so we know conversion therapy is wrong, like wrong. I mean, research shows how awful it can impact clients. So that's an easy one for me. Like conversion therapy is never something we should be doing with our clients or even trying to do, even if it's a backdoor way of doing it, don't do it. It's not good. Yeah. Now, I also think it's about that, that under part of it is agenda. Like what is your, do you have an underlying agenda behind the words that you say and the things that you do with your clients? And so I think all of us have to question that as clinicians, but I especially think faith-based clinicians need to be asking themselves that, you know, why are they saying the things they're saying? Are they trying to put their faith or their agenda on that client? And, you know, we kind of talked about this in the other episode we were recording, but I think it's so important to mention that, that as a faith-based therapist, you're not just going to other faith-based counselors for assistance, for help, but that you're also talking to people with a secular practice because they're going to see things that you're not seeing. And I think all of us put our agendas on our clients without realizing it. We're all, we're all doing it. And so having other people in our lives to speak to that, to offer supervision to that is so key. I think with a lot of the just conversations in general about the ways that faith interacts with a lot of different systems, you know, you follow any news headline now and you're seeing, you know, the discussions around faith in schools, faith in therapy we're talking about here, faith in politics and a lot of this kind of stuff. And I think that there's really easy egregious examples to see in other parts of the world around this. But what I really appreciate about you and the work that you're doing is you're really helping to clarify, like, all right, we're therapists first. It's just kind of this really, you know, other important piece of who people are as in their faith that shows up in that kind of therapy. How else outside of the really egregious things are you seeing people kind of struggle with going outside that therapeutic bounds that might not be as obvious as the big ones like conversion therapy and this kind of stuff? Yeah, I do think that if clients come in and we kind of mentioned this and they have a certain level of faith integration that they want, if the therapist takes it beyond that, that's not ethical, you know? I also think therapists might have small ideas of what they think the Bible says, and they actually don't know what the Bible says, or they haven't been taught correctly. And so then they take a verse or a passage and say, well, this is what it says for your situation. Well, that might not actually be the case, or they might not be reading it in right. Another idea is the idea of divorce. Like, 
somebody might read the Bible or let's actually let's talk about LGBTQ because I think this is a great example. Um, someone reads the Bible and they think God, you know, doesn't like that. Right. So then they don't want to work with clients that adhere to those values or are in homosexual relationships because they read the Bible that way. And then another therapist might read the Bible in a different way and say, okay, well, I think the concepts of God and what God is doing in the world is to love everyone wherever they're at. And we're always accepting. Right. And so you can't, you can't read it and then tell the client what you think it says when you might not be teaching them appropriately. And so it's letting the clients dictate where the treatment goes, letting them live the lives that they want to live, letting them read the Bible and share with you what it means to them, you know, instead of you saying, this is what a passage means and this is what it should be to you. I hope that made sense. It does. I feel like there's that element of bias that we all have and the way that we understand the world and the way, way that we read the world, if we put that too much into the room without awareness, that can become harmful to the client because we're in, imposing our own beliefs on the client and we're telling them to do things based on our own beliefs versus theirs or, or their own decision-making process. To me, I think whether it's, you know, conversion therapy or, or LGBTQ plus folks, if it's Divorce, I think there's there's some things there that might be a little bit easier to get your head around. I'm thinking about abortion. And for folks that are in that process, people who are currently pregnant, not sure they want to keep the baby, those kinds of things. Like, what do you do in those situations if you have a very strong belief system around what someone should do? Yeah. And so it's about helping the client find what they want to do. Right. I mean, obviously, you want to take them through here's some positives and negatives to be thinking about. Here's your situation, you know, but you're really a guide to them. You're not the one telling them what to do based on what you would do in your own life or what you think the Bible says, because that's putting your agenda on your client. It's really for the client to come in and find their own answer and to feel good with the answer that they're choosing. And you just love and accept them through that situation. I hear you. And I think it's even as a guide, I think there's a lot of bias that can come into play. And I think there's going to be a, be therapists that have very big emotions if their belief is that if this person has an abortion, they're they're committing murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they probably shouldn't be putting that on their clients. Right. And I guess another <laughs> thing, I mean, you know, simply, yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were talking before about kind of ethical decision making models and so being able to go to somebody else saying, hey, here's the situation. But I guess if a therapist gets to a point that they feel like their values are really interfering, like they just cannot not make that a part of it, their own personal thoughts. Like if the therapist is very against abortion, you know, maybe they shouldn't be working with that client. I mean, I think they should be getting their own supervision and figuring that out themselves, you know, and learning how do I help this client? But if they really can't be unbiased, maybe they shouldn't work with that client. But that's that would be very concerning to me that they would be a therapist. <laughs> so therapists should be able to get past those things de facto, like whatever the issue, you should be able to meet your clients where you are. And as a, as a Christian therapist or a faith-based therapist, that's even more paramount because if you're going to be there working with these clients, you can't, you're saying that you can't put this on them. Yeah. Because you're actually doing harm. <laughs> uh, do no harm. <laughs> and I think that that's the way that I hear a lot in the community, the therapist community that, you know, oh, this is, and there's that assumption that faith-based therapists have this agenda. And unfortunately it is the 
the most voiceforous ones out there who tend to give everybody a bad name, no matter what community that you're in. But I tend to hear, especially about faith-based counselors, kind of the, well, what that must be how everybody is in this kind of work. And that's, I don't know, like you're in this community a lot more deeply than I am. Tell me that it's not everybody. I mean, you're, you're, you're proof that it's not everybody. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> but I mean, is, you know, I, I think that at least in a lot of the consultation groups or things that I hear about that, It almost is just kind of like there's assumptions about both sides that just makes it to where it ends up being kind of these insulated, you know, consultation groups or insulated discussion groups about, you know, secular versus faith-based. Those of us who aren't in those faith-based, you know, discussions, I guess the question that I'm asking is, like, is there kind of a, hey, we need to bring this, you know, back towards the you know, we're all therapists here discussion. Is that more prevalent? Because I don't see it in the groups that I follow. Mm. Yes. So this is like why I wanted to go into this work because we need to have these conversations more, right? Like we all need to be getting along and learning from one another instead of isolating ourselves in this little Christian bubble of what therapy has to be. And that's where dangerous stuff happens, right? And so that's a big part of my teaching. Like, I I will have people reach out to me. Gosh, we keep talking about the LGBTQ community. I wish I could come up with some other examples, but I had someone reach out to me and they're like, I have a couple and they are wanting to have a homosexual marriage and I don't know what to do as a therapist. And that like blew my mind. They were like, I'm a Christian. I can't work with them. I'm like, yes, you can. Like, let's talk about this. Let's, let's have this conversation. And so I think more and more having these conversations is going to help, you know, and really challenging people Christians challenging Christians, but even people who would not be a Christian challenging Christians to rethink the way that they're doing this. But I am here to say that not all of us think like that. And then on a side note, there's so much emotion that comes into faith. When we start having these faith conversations, people get charged because of religious trauma they've experienced. Um, Even you were just sharing the story about some disgruntled people like misrepresenting faith, like And so then you have these negative experiences. So as soon as you hear that word Christian, it's like, oh, back away, you know, and that's so disheartening. And I even personally have been judged so much for calling myself even a faith-based, I mean, I specifically say faith-based private practice consultant, because if I use that word Christian, I'm going to get a whole bunch of things put on me immediately, which I don't want those things on me because they're probably not who I really am. But I had another situation recently. I spoke at a conference. I spoke at Meet You in Kentucky. I talked about the Enneagram and it said in my bio, faith-based consultant. And somebody came up to me afterwards and said, I almost didn't come to your presentation because it said faith-based consultant. And I thought you had an agenda on how you wanted to change me. He Mm -hmm. said, and that's not what I experienced from you. And I was like, yes. <laughs> but yeah, glad, I mean, I think it's came. changing it. <laughs> I so, yeah, and we had such a good conversation afterwards, too. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. 
So we've been talking about kind of the misconceptions or the the harms, but I, I, I want to get to the other side because there are benefits for folks who are people of faith, who want to meet with faith-based therapists, who are having these practices, these ethical you know, faith-based practices that they're, it's actually therapy with faith as a resource versus a mission to convert folks in their offices. And so to me, I, I'd love to hear from you what you see as the benefits for um, for the therapist, but also for the client seeking services from a faith-based professional. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an alignment there, an understanding there uh, that the client can experience from their therapist. I think of it similar to substance abuse. You know, a a therapist who had a substance abuse issue that they've worked through and sees a client with the same, you know, maybe alcoholism as well, there's an alignment and ability there to talk about it that wouldn't be there if the therapist hadn't had that background. And so I think of it in a similar way when we talk about a faith-based background. I mean, I also believe that when you incorporate things you're passionate about as a therapist, if it's faith, if it's anything else, maybe marriage work or whatever it is that you're passionate about, you're going to do better work as a therapist, because you're more invested in it. It's a part of who you are. I mean, our practices are an extension of us in the world, you know? And so if you are a faith-based practice owner, you're extending that arm of yourself into the world. And let's hope that it's in a good way where you're helping your community and you're doing kindness and those kinds of things. My question, I'm just going to, how did you get to be so awesome out the get-go on this? (laughs) Like, I'm interested in your story of like, how did you come to some of these conclusions and feel the confidence to come out and and speak so publicly in this way, because this is a really refreshing version of this that I'm, I'm hearing from you. So why are you so awesome? Uh, man, you just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And now I'm going to give you the, the religious answer, but it's true. I mean, I feel like God has made me this way. I mean, my faith, I feel like I've been open to being changed by people and by the world around me um, and doing my own work. Like I go to therapy, you know, I need my opinions changed. I mean, when I went to graduate school, I allowed that time to make me think differently, you know, especially specifically talking about the LGBTQ community. um, I really struggled for a while. I'm just going to be honest. Like I was just raised in a way that that was not okay. And so then when I started meeting people that were gay and saw how great they were. I was like, oh, like I felt this conflict within me. And I was like, I have got to do my work on this. And I did my research. I read books. I questioned people. And I read the Bible. And now I have a whole different way that I think in an accepting way, you know, in an affirming way that I wasn't at before. And so I guess it was it would be that I've that I've done the work. And I'm passionate about the change that's happened in my life. Like I have a lot more freedom in my faith than I had before. I felt like my faith was in a box before. And so I really want to like give that out to the world. But then I also like have this amazing way of making faith a part of my business. And I love my group practice. And so I want to see other faith-based therapists, like not live in that bubble, do clinical work and also love their lives you know, and get to do good faith-based stuff. I know your background, or as you're describing it, I'm sure you work with mostly Christian-based therapists. No, you don't. Oh, oh, oh as a consultant, yes. Um, actually, my practice, no one would know that we're a faith-based practice unless you were a faith-based person. It's very interesting. Like I have, it's called Water's Edge Counseling. So <clears throat> the idea of that is when we're at the water, we experience rejuvenation, we jump in, we have life, we take risks. 
Now, if someone saw that on my website, they don't think twice about it. But if you're a Christian and you see that on my website, you're like, oh, baptism. Oh, the Bible talks about water. It's been amazing how it draws in Christians, but it's we have we do a lot of work with people that are not faith-based. I would probably say about 30 to 40% of our clients adhere to a faith-based background, but a lot of them do not, um, which is what I wanted. I wanted to be able to meet the needs of all different types of people that come into the practice. We do have one page on our website about Christian services, you know, but along with a bunch of other pages, the scallop shell is our logo, which most people would think, oh, scallop shell, water's edge. That makes sense. And we are in Savannah. But if you do some more research, you understand the scallop shell. It's from the Camino de Santiago, which is the way of St. James. And his body was washed ashore with a bunch of scallop shells. It's a really cool story. And the shell represents journey, you know, and and for me, it's the faith-based journey. So I have these like faith components in my practice, but you only know that if you question it or if you're faith-based yourself and you're like, oh yeah, I know what the scallop shell is. In your consultation work with therapists who come from other beliefs, America's, you know, heavily Christian based, but I'm wondering, you know, kind of how you help other practitioners who come from non-Christian based practices and building their practices in ways that are congruent with them. What is that process like? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked that question. I used to do that a lot more. And I think as I've grown, I've realized that the faith-based community is my passion. And so I've really niched into that. Um, And that's gone really well. I mean, but for me, faith-based I do mean Christian specifically for what I work with, even though faith-based can mean a lot. I mean, we could talk about Judaism, Buddhism, you know, all the different faiths. Um, but I see people on a range, just like clients are on a range. So I see, I work with some that would be like, faith is not a part of my business, but it's a part of my personal life. And I want to work with you. And then I have some that are like, faith is everything in my business. And I want to work with you. So it runs the gamut. You don't have to have a strictly faith-based practice, but I kind of enjoy working with, well, I really do enjoy working with someone that would say faith is a part of their life. Because in your consulting work, you you work primarily with Christian faith-based therapists and and you're you have this vision of a practice that's very ethical, that that aligns with your life, allows your faith to be kind of whatever level you want it to be in your practice. It seems like there's probably some structure or or ideas around how you can actually have an ethical and successful faith-based practice that goes beyond kind of typical practice building. And so can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah. Faith is a part of all my decisions that I make in my business. Um, But I also make business decisions that are ethical and logical, like bring those parts in, you know, money. Money's a big one for all of us. But when you look at the Christian therapist community, there's this feeling like you've got to give it away for free or a sliding scale, or this is your calling, your ministry. And so a big part of it is knowing that it's okay to make money. It's okay to make profit. It's okay to care for your family. And so that's another way that I kind of bring that in. Um, When I am in the hiring process, and this is a big one that comes up for challenges for Christian therapists is when they start a group practice. And how do you hire in a way that's ethical and appropriate, especially W-2s, because you can't hire based on faith. But what I do hire is based on the ability to do the work that clients are coming in asking for, right? Clients, If a client were to come in and say, I need any disorder treatment, I mean, they're not going to see a therapist that has inability to bring eating disorders to the conversation. Like, We need to be able to do that, you know, and have some training in that. And so when I'm hiring, it's it's not you have to be Christian to work here because that's not what it is. But are you able to 
bring in faith as a resource to clients on request. You know, so those are some of the ways that faith is a part of my business decisions. Um, and prayer is a really big part as well. Like when I'm, oh goodness, so many things that I can think of, like trying to get a new office space or hire a new person or having a hard conversation with someone in the practice. Like I bring those in prayer and scripture, talking to other Christian counselors that I'm close to business owners and working together to be able to make the best decisions. Are there any other misconceptions that people have about face-to-face practices that we haven't covered yet? I don't think so. I mean, I just kind of said the other one we didn't talk a ton was the financial piece. You know, I think the misconception in the community is that faith-based counselors shouldn't rates shouldn't be as high as they are. And that's just simply not true. It should be based on their experience, you know, training, all those kinds of things. I think we did cover a lot of them though. And the biggest one just being that that agenda piece is that you're going to put your faith on your clients, which is not the case. And also not the case when I'm working with practice owners like respecting them, where they're coming from. (laughs) And then the Enneagram is just a whole nother topic. I mean, I love the Enneagram. (laughs) I think it's fantastic. It's changed my life. But boy, I get those emails. That's a hidden practice. And I'm like, really? Well, it's helped me in my life. So, well, (laughs) I find God in it. One of the things before we start wrapping up is you've got your group practice, you've got your faith-based consulting, and you've started putting on events. And and Kurt and I know a thing or two about putting on events and how challenging that is. And you are taking a bold step and you have a, a big conference that you've actually invited me to speak at, but there's there's also been other retreats and different things. Talk a little bit about what you set up there and, and what those types of events look like, specifically the the one in in October. Yes. So the one in October is the Wise Practice Summit. And all the stuff I do is called Wise Practice, the Wise Practice Podcast, membership community, stuff like that. That summit is for people who would say they're a faith-based background. Doesn't mean you have to have a faith-based practice because we're actually also going to have a lot of fun. It's not going to be uptight Christians (laughs) getting together. Um, The last time I did an event, I was like, hey, y'all have fun. You don't have to come to all the events if you don't want to. In fact, if you want to bring a beer in, bring a beer in. It's okay. You know, like, let's have a good time. Because that's another thing. Like, I think Christians should be having a lot more. We should all be having a lot more fun, but Christians definitely need to have a lot more fun. Yeah. And so along with that event, um, there is NBCC approval, which I was super stoked about. Um, So you can earn up to 13.5 CEUs through the NBCC. Um, It's two full days of workshops, and they're all based on practice building and being a good leader. All of them will have some kind of integration with faith, but that'll be just a part of it. Like it's mostly a business conference with a faith-based twist is kind of how I think of it. We're going to have a big opening night with dinner and drinks. We're also going to have a John Wesley walking tour in Savannah, which I think is kind of fun because I'm Methodist. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a really good time right on the Savannah River. Very cool. Where can people find out more about you and all the things that you're doing and your events and Plug your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So go to WhitneyOwens.com. I like to kind of think of it as a funnel, you know, and and working with me. And so I do have a membership community and we meet once a week to talk about running a faith-based practice. And I do some teachings in there. You get put in a small group. So that's an easy entry level into the wise practice community. Um, And then we have the summit coming up. I also do like a retreat or two a year. The most recent one was in Asheville. It was fantastic. So those are some of the things. And then the podcast as well. So, and then I do individual consulting. 
And we will include links to that in our show notes over at mtsgpodcast.com and follow us on our social media. Join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy and Whitney Owens. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 